1: Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday. Today, on the podcast, we are talking with the Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde, or go to his website, harveyhyde.com, for all of his content. And we got to talk about USC's thrilling, I guess you could say, 43-41 triple overtime victory over the Arizona Wildcats in the Coliseum late Saturday night. Didn't get home till like 1.30 in the morning after that one. But uh, yeah, we got to talk about that game uh, with the coach. If you have questions or comments for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is the email address or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And of course, wherever you listen to the podcast, if you can uh, subscribe there, follow us, leave us a five-star rating and review. That always helps to grow the show. Uh, we appreciate it, and it helps to grow the show when there's a lot of stuff to talk about, and there is after this USC game. we got a lot of questions that have come through, and we want to get the opinion of the coach who is on with us right now. Coach, how are you doing today, sir?
0: Well, good morning, everyone. I'm doing fine. It uh, was a late night for everyone, the ones that uh, watched the game uh, on television, the ones that uh, attended the games. And then, Ryan, uh, people like you who stayed in the broadcast and went to the post-game interviews and got home. It was a long day for everyone with college football starting early in the morning uh, with, uh, you know, games that are starting at 9 a.m. and going all day. So it was a big day of college football, a big weekend of college football all started on Friday. And then, of course, high school football. And if you love it like we do. You're trying to do it all. So again, uh, Ryan, I want to thank you also, before we get started, you were a guest on my show on Sunday mornings, and I want to thank you for joining us, for all of you that caught that. We did a lot of different things that we'd never talk about on this show because a lot of people, uh. Don't care about what Ryan does in the press box and and all the other things. But I thought it was interesting. And for people who want to listen to that show with Chuck and I, it's always Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So thank you. And uh, let's get started.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me on for that, coach. And I, you know, I check out coach's tweets during the game. Uh, He tries to just tweet once a quarter and just kind of give some succinct comments about uh, what was going on. And I felt like uh, I wanted to get your comments on what you said that USC has too much talent for that type of performance uh, against Arizona. I mean, you look at the final stats and, you know, Arizona looks like they should have won the game, you know, 505 total yards to 351 for USC. They had seven more first downs completed, uh, you know, converted 50% of third downs, eight of 16, where USC was only three of nine plus Arizona got two of two on their fourth down conversions. They ran more plays like Colorado did the week before they Uh, average yards per play were six you know a half a yard more than USC Um, it's just you know they ran the ball really well uh, didn't uh, you know they they didn't have any um, unfruitful red zone trips they scored every time they were in the red zone held the ball for about 10 minutes more uh, than USC you know tied the turnover battle um, got more sacks uh, similar tackles for loss but I mean on the when you look at it on paper, Coach, Arizona outplayed USC. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on what you were talking about, that USC's too talented to have this type of performance. Well,
0: I think that that came out probably after the third quarter or whenever when I tweeted that out after I'd seen the as much as I could see of the game and I watched the entire game. Uh, what I mean by that, I think they got outcoached. And uh, I think there's a period of time where you start to realize that as far as when you have players that other teams didn't recruit, not that they aren't great players, but you get a running back like Covington and you get a backup quarterback that runs up and down the field that really, uh, what's happening? Are they that good? Or are you that bad? Or are they doing things that you don't realize that you have to stop? Or are you having breakdowns in the secondary and they're not lining up properly and taking advantage of what you're not doing right? And the same thing on offense. Are you trying to force the football and the defenses by passing when they have eight people covering and playing straight man? And, and all of a sudden your quarterback becomes a running back and scrambling for his life and fortunately doesn't get hurt. When you have running backs and so on, then I start to look at it and I say, what's happening, especially you get down on the goal line and you can't get the ball in as far as down there trying to blast it in. You have to throw a little hitch pass out there in the flat on the second down. I think it was a second down situation. I say, what was that all about? So, you know, I I start to wonder when you can't uh, blast it in down there and you don't have the capable... Uh, say toughness, I don't want to call it toughness, but come on guys, Arizona's really playing hard and doing what they do, but honestly, now Ryan, you have a service, and you have people that do recruiting, how many of those people on that team, and remember the starting quarterback didn't play, if the starting quarterback played, he's a tremendous athlete, they'd have beat USC, so I started to look at this and I'm saying, what's going on, why the same thing every week? I mean, let's have a press conference and have a, someone ask the question, Coach, uh, let's don't have excuses. I mean, let's don't have a post-game interview or a post-game uh, press conference when you think everything's hump, hunky-dory and the defense really did great for us. When you're down 17 to nothing, they drove, they've driven 60 yards, they're going to drive the ball 92 yards, you have one play or one first down and that's on a penalty. Well, what are we talking about? You're playing what I say HR, and if you ought to know what that does, it if you know what that means, then I think you ought to sit up and say, hey, you know what, we're doing a terrible job, and we're not doing our full potential. Unless we get things straightened away, we're going to get beat. And just call an ace an ace because, you know, I think all of you out there, I respect you all for your opinions, and if they go to the same game we're going or watching, you know, it's just not what it's supposed to be when you win the games like you've been winning against teams. Really, who had Arizona beaten? I mean, Arizona's – the judge's doing a great job of coaching that team. But, you know, they beat Northern Arizona. They lost to Mississippi State. Uh, I can't remember who else they played or beaten. But, you know, they, they're they doing it with mirrors.
1: Arizona is.
0: Yeah. Arizona is yeah. I mean they, they come in there and you'd think if they switch uniforms in the first half they ought to be wearing cardinal and gold
1: yeah that I mean the way they played early on for sure coach and uh, we saw them you know Michael Penix the week before uh, in Tucson didn't have a touchdown pass um you know they they were impressive defensively and this is Johnny Nansen uh you know, running the show there um you know he was a USC assistant for a while they added a bunch of guys from the portal. And, I, you know, I thought they looked really good against Washington, limiting them, and then just really shutting down USC in the passing game. And I think you tweeted about, you know, wide receivers not being open. you got to get the, uh, you know, the, the running backs and tight ends more involved in the passing game. But it, it seemed like Arizona was doing something specific to take away something that USC was doing. And USC didn't really adjust to it. They just were keep trying to do the same thing. Like, oh, we can do this. and. Do you know what I mean? It, just, it didn't feel like the adjustments were there to the game plan that Arizona did, which you know, you're taking away USC's fastball, and USC kept trying to throw fastballs, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. Exactly. And it wasn't like it was something new. It was a part of a uh, plan that they used against Washington. And what they're doing is saying, you don't want to run the football. You want to throw the football. And we're going to take away what you like to do best. And if we take that away, we're going to force you to run the football. And by forcing to run the football, they didn't really believe they had to run the football till later on. And they kept trying to throw into the strength of the defense. And it was just hurting them. It threw everybody off balance. They lost their confidence uh, uh, for a while. Things weren't going the way it's supposed to go. It's supposed to be easy. We're supposed to go up and down the field. Well, you can do that if you have a diversified plan running game that can do those type of things when you face those type of of defenses. And again, you know, your running back, like I said, became Caleb Williams. If he doesn't make some of those plays later on in the game, I don't know how many rushing, what do you have, four rushing touchdowns or something? Three,
1: three rushing touchdowns, yeah. Three
0: rushing touchdowns. And whether you think that was a, a read zone uh, down at the end of the game when he ran the ball into the end zone, that was a call play was the lead the lead back that he uh, was riding into the line of scrimmage turned into a blocker knew was a blocker the whole time. So they had to rely on those type of things to score touchdowns. yeah so Arizona changed their game and they were not able to adjust to it quick enough. and they lost contain at times. they've trying different people into the secondary, they broke down. It just needs to be, say, and I know if you're an SC person out there or a coach out there, they're saying, what does this guy know? Well, I'm not making $10, 10 million a year, so I don't know what what, I, what what he should know. But I know that what's happening just isn't right.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, Coach. It's three weeks in a row of sort of subpar performances, and, I think it's the second time uh, Caleb Williams talked about this after the game that, you know, people are getting, they circle, the I think he said after this one, that opponents circle this game. And, you know, USC starts off in a 17-0 hole after not having trailed the entire season. The only FBS program that never trailed. Um, USC was down 17 nothing you know, fights back a little bit. But Caleb Williams talked about that. And I, I don't know. It's like when you play an inferior opponent, yeah, they're going to think, you know, this is, you know, like you mentioned, a lot of the players that didn't get an offer from USC end up at Arizona. There's, you know, three players transferred from Arizona to USC. There could be some animosity there, but I don't know about the I don't want to say excuse, but just, you know, what what do you feel about that when you're the superior team and you have to deal with other, you know, maybe inferior opponents on a circling this game and putting everything they have uh, into it.
0: Well, I think that what you need to do is be honest with the people. I think you have to be honest and say, hey, they were better prepared. Uh, they out-coached us. I think you hear Nick Saban say that. I think you hear a lot of great coaches say, hey, they they out-prepared uh, us for us. We, we need to get back in the drawing rooms. We need to reorganize as a football staff as well as a football team. We're not playing up to what expectations we are supposed to be playing up to. And admit that we're not doing things right in certain areas. Admit it and say, we're going to work on that. Not not just continue to brush it off. Or, you know, we're so proud that we were able to come back when we were down 17 to nothing. Well, yeah, obviously, that's that's something that everyone sees, and you're able to come back and so on. Uh, you got an interception, you know, had some breaks. Uh, the Things go here and there. I tell you, you said it on the show yesterday. Arizona had already won the game before they went into overtime uh, because people never expected that type of performance. And uh, whether they lost or, or won the game, everybody had said, wow, what a great game this was that Arizona played. And you said it, and I agreed with you after the first overtime, Arizona should have gone for two. They had nothing to lose. Everybody would have said they went for the win. They should have. They're on the road and they were on a roll and they had the momentum going. But they decided not to do that. So they had that opportunity. And I think the longer the game went, I think eventually it was going to be a USC victory. Which it turned it out be turned out be.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a the team is six and zero. I think what the the fans and there's a lot of negative reaction from fans and there's you know fighting back and forth some of that coach where it's like hey the team's six and zero and you know still ranked in the top ten and all of that uh, which is true it's just the teams that USC's played especially early haven't been very good I mean um, you know Colorado and Arizona were better teams um, than we've seen. Uh, USC play but you know Nevada I think has one win or no wins and San Jose has one win um, Stanford has one win so there's, there's not like these teams have won a bunch of games and so I feel like there's a lot of people that are worried going into you know Notre Dame and Utah and Oregon or Washington and I get it. I get there's kind of concerns there but I think some of this stuff coach for USC is sort of like it almost doesn't matter who the opponent is if they're good or bad USC sort of kind of gets in their own way a lot of times um and you know they've they've allowed bad opponents to do a lot of stuff on offense uh you know Noah Fafita throws for you know his second start ever 300 yards five touchdowns um we've seen them sort of let records get set against them it it almost matter doesn't matter uh what the offense is on the other side it seems like the defense sort of lets things happen so I'm not even sure it's have you seen something like this coach where you know If it's a bad opponent or a good opponent, it's sort of like USC kind of. I feel like they could beat a good opponent just as easy as they could beat a bad opponent, but kind of keep it close the way they would against, you know, Colorado and Arizona. I get that feel. I don't know if you agree or not.
0: Well, they play down to their opponent rather than play up and uh, go in there and dominate a football game. Uh, You know, they're ranked in the top 10 nationally. Now, I do a poll that comes out every Thursday. They're not ranked in my top twelve because I don't think, or I don't have the confidence that they could dominate a football team like the other teams do—the Georgias, the Michigans, Ohio State, uh, uh, Florida State. Uh, let's just go down and talk to them. I haven't—they haven't played Washington or Oregon yet, or any of those teams. But the teams that I have above them, I haven't. I can't believe that they're ranked as high as they are because they haven't really dominated anybody or showed anybody anything really that that's outstanding. Why they're ranked there is because of phenomenal quarterback they have in Caleb Williams. And he is every bit as good as what everybody thinks he is or says he is. Okay. Take him away. Take him away from USC and where would you rank them? Everyone doesn't have a chance that votes to see all the USC games. All they know is they're 6-0, and and they know they were close games. When are they going to have a 35-7 victory like Michigan had this past weekend or a 51-13 to win like Georgia had this past weekend or something with complete dominance for both sides of the football? And the special teams all play together to show you they are that type of ranked team. Now, uh, Notre Dame is a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over SC this coming week. SC is ranked 10th or 8th or 7th in some polls, and Notre Dame is ranked like 20th. Why? How does that happen? Because of the home field advantage? Uh, both sides of that doesn't really add up to me, except for Caleb Williams.
1: He is, I mean, he's the it, when USC's not playing well, he's sort of like the eraser that can fix problems that USC's having. Um, he just, you know, the, the passing game wasn't there, so he took off and ran, and he said, oh, you know, I don't really like running, but I'll do it if I have to." he's sort of like this X factor and that that's why I feel like USC has a, a puncher's chance against anybody coach because no matter how bad things go you got number 13 there and he will he just has this will to win I mean that when he ran for that touchdown and was stopped it was sort of like uh, the brotherly shove that Jalen Hurts does for the, the Eagles except no one was shoving him um, and he just kind of you know moves his body around and gets around the outside and reaches the ball out like he just would not be denied. And I think when you have someone like that coach is it great for the team that you have to rely on somebody that heavily like probably not but you do have him um you know for the next couple months and if you do you have a chance to beat anybody.
0: No, you really do, but you could tell he's not happy. I mean, you think he's happy right now? I mean, I don't see him that it's all it's all a job to him at the post game interviews. He doesn't really he just sits there. He's not happy about how they're playing and uh, how he has to pull that off and all the pressure that's on him. Hey, you know, he's a kid still. I mean, he's got a, a lot of publicity. He's won a lot of awards. He deserves them all, but that's a lot of pressure that he has to pull off everything every single week. And, uh, Uh, I don't know if you notice little things, but I notice little things like that as far as uh, he should be excited winning a game like that. They just won a game in triple overtime. You got to be excited. I didn't see anybody that excited. I mean, it was like, oh, thank God we won this game. We were supposed to win this game. We're a 21-point favorite in this game. And you go triple overtime with a backup quarterback. Now, come on, guys. Something's not right. Are they getting along right? What's it? What's it like in the locker room? What's it like on the field? Is there dissension between the offense and the defense? Well, you really don't know, because you're really not at practice enough, or you don't, uh, you know, find out those things. And I hope that's not going on, because you're six and zero. You should be excited about being six and zero. You should be. You're ranked in the top ten in the country. I mean, uh, that's an exciting thing. And instead of the crowd and the student body and the media and everybody talking about what a great game it's going to be, what are we talking about today? We're talking about what's wrong with USC. Well, they're 6 oh, he's 17-3 over a couple of years. That's not bad. But everybody still doesn't have that confident feeling of, We're going to dominate. We're going to go out there. We're going to kick their butt at Notre Dame. I can't wait to watch it. We're going to kick their butt. Can you say that really, you know, uh, about any team they played? So, you know, that's that's why everyone is not talking about Notre Dame today. And that's what we should be talking about, what a great game it's going to be. But we're talking about why haven't USC performed to what everybody expected them to be and who they should be? on possibly a once in a lifetime opportunity of having a quarterback like this and a team like this and not take advantage of winning automatically not winning not automatically but know that you're a 1 2 or 3 team in the country and you're going to be playing we hope for a national championship.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those games coaches you, you know coaches walk away and um, I th- I think you have to be relieved more than anything, uh, getting outplayed and getting a win. You know, if that's on the road, like you said, if Jaden Delora plays, they-, they probably lose. Although Delora could have like threw f- three picks in the game. You know, he's he's kind of volatile that way, like less volatile than Noah Fafita is. Um, but I mean, in a game where all they did is target, you, you had T Mac and Jacob Cowing, and that's pretty much those are the only wide receivers they targeted. I think there was one other play. Um, it, it's, it's almost like you know what they're going to do. They're effective running the ball and throwing to those wide receivers. You would want to see the defense have more answers. If, if it was like this wide variety of things, they're doing this and that and this and that. I mean, like they ran the football well. They did some good toss plays and they threw the ball to those two wide receivers. And when you're knowing like kind of that's what's happening with a quarterback making a second start, I just wanted to see some you know, better, better effort there. They got, you know, nine tackles for a loss. They did some things that were good, but to allow that kind of success over and over to the same guys was a, it was a little disturbing, I guess, coach.
0: Well, it is. And uh, watch carefully the personnel and watch carefully as I do the game when they're on the defensive side of the football or offensive side of the football. Basically, I watch more of the techniques and so on, of the defensive side of the football because that's where they're struggling the most. Watch them closely. If you've been a coach or you know the techniques or you know what form tackling is or arm tackling or what you call, you know, hold on until someone helps me tackling, uh, you know, you start to watch and see what's actually happening as far as with the linebacker play and containment And uh, the breakdowns in the secondary and and all of that. And, uh, you know, you you start to watch and say, man, the systems aren't just working together. I mean, even on the last toss that they went for two that that they stopped them on. I mean, really, I I didn't agree with the play call, first of all. Uh, But really, when they went out there, you know, some people are getting all the credit for making such a great play and the person. What a great play, the guy barely grabbed him and threw him down. The guy had nowhere to go. And uh, so it was more or less the bad call than it was a great play. But they were there to stop him and win the football game, so that's what made it a great play. But, uh, you know, a lot of talk, <laughs> uh, but uh, not a lot of action. You know, they used to say, big hat, no cows. Well, right now, you know, you got to look at yourself. you got to build confidence uh, with the defense. And I feel sorry for them because these are all kids trying and so on and uh, not having much success at it and uh, knowing that they're hanging on. And you can imagine how they feel. Here's a team driving down and and going to score. Here we're giving up, what, 41 points again. I don't know where they are as far as points, as far as giving up points. But wow, I'm telling you, and listen, in the first half, the offense didn't help the defense whatsoever. Didn't help. They were on the field the whole time. Look at time of possession in that game. 35 minutes to whatever, 28 minutes or 25 minutes. What, how many plays? 68 or 70 plays to 90 plays or whatever. I mean, how can that be happening? They're They're dominating the football game.
1: Yeah, no, that was – last. yeah, last week Colorado ran 90 plays. This week Arizona ran 77 and USC ran 58. There was a lot of talk about USC scoring too quickly and everything last week against Colorado. But then when you're not scoring at all, um, it makes – you know, there are a lot of three-it-outs for the USC offense. That was something we haven't really seen before. Um, One of the things that you had mentioned in your tweets too, Coach, was about how – I guess how complicated things were, it looked like guys were confused and you wanted to see, you know, get back to basics and more fundamentals if you want to kind of expand on that a little bit.
0: Yeah, I do. If you notice every time they did any type of motion or did any type of flop or did anything, guys are raising their hands, move over here, move over there. Like uh, they're trying to help their other guys get lined up. That should be, yes, yeah, something you want to make sure you're all lined up with, but you should recognize those type of things and, that should not be a big problem as far as getting aligned in the proper defense and so on when the ball snapped. It seemed like they were always a little bit confused, and if one guy misses the assignment, you've got a breakdown on the defensive side of the football. They, they weren't always on the same page. They weren't always the linebackers scraping to the right gap. They weren't covering the right people, and when they were out there, they were missing tackles at times, and when they made ta- tackles, the guy had already made five yards. Uh, the second day was making too many tackles, far too many tackles, and uh, the tackles weren't being made on the line of scrimmage. Covington was running up and down the field. He had already broken the front seven, and now it's, he's in the secondary. Why, how can he break the front seven like that? Because someone's not doing their job. Someone's not filling the gap they're supposed to have. Someone is not doing or getting. You can't tell me that everyone is so much better on the offensive line or front of Arizona that nobody can get off the block or get where they're supposed to go. Well, once you get there, you're supposed to dominate the guy and get off the block and make the tackle. Now, this kid ran hard, okay? But you've got to be able to stand him up, knock him down, slow him down, and then call for help, and uh, I didn't see that. I mean, the, golly, I thought it was—I thought it was not Barry Sanders. I thought it was uh, somebody that was—I uh, don't know Zonka or somebody. The way he <laughs> ran over people. I mean, really, he just ran over people, and he was a, a hell of a—he made you made him a hell of a football player. And he certainly looked like it that day. And then on the offensive side, it seems like there's always a a panic as far as getting the play in. Yeah. Or getting the right players in. And hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. You'd be better off just letting him call the game. I think he gets a better field out there. Or do you even ask him what he thinks you should do? I used to always talk with Randall when I had Randall, who was a great quarterback. I used to ask him, "What do you think? What do you see out there? What do you feel?" I mean, I don't know if he gives Caleb that opportunity to say, "Coach, I really think this will work. I, I let me try it." And I'd say, "Okay, let's do it," but don't forget to look to the backside and check the, the the tight end or whatever. That way, he's trying to make that play work better, and for sure, because he suggested it. You've got to allow great players to have a say a little bit in what's going on with the game. So he sends that same motivation to the rest of the team to get it done. And and on important plays, why don't you huddle up? I mean, why don't you communicate everything? I mean, it's never huddle. You see other great programs do huddle up. I'm not saying you have to huddle up. But it doesn't hurt you to make sure when you're in the huddle you say, now you all understand what we're going to do. It's going to be with a check with me, which means the play is going to be called after you get to the line of scrimmage because we want to see how they're going to cover this set. And I'm going to audibilize to the play that they we feel best to work against that. Or whatever. I don't know if that is really going on. And in today's football, maybe they don't do that anymore. But I think you should because you're communicating more with the players and everybody can talk, linemen can talk to each other in the huddle, remember this happening and that's happening, or whatever. Especially down on the goal line. When you're down on the one-yard line, huddle up. Let everybody know we got to get it. We're going to smash mouth it here. This is who's the toughest and so on. Come out of the huddle, line up in a power eye where you don't have a loan back. And just blow somebody out or run that back in the flat, two in the flat, full back in the flat where nobody covers him. Like they send out the tailback out in the flat, nobody covers him, and get an easy score. But it seems like they have to, it works so hard to get that touchdown where it should be easier. And then the toughness part of it. To me, when I watch USC play, it's the air raid attack, okay? It's nothing different than Graham Harrell. It's nothing different than we said in the past. The only difference, really, let me to tell you the truth, is Caleb Williams, because they all come from the same tree, the Mike Leach tree. All of them have played in the same program, know the same offense, exactly how Mike Leach thought, and, and they're all talking together on the same thing. And Mike Leach designed that offense because he was at programs that were struggling and he had to do something different that people weren't prepared for, and he was a genius at what he did to win. And he really utilized his running backs a lot more as far as runners and receivers than these guys do. So these guys learned from him, and he took these programs to Washington State and did a great job there because Washington State was not a dominant football team. But he took it there, and people weren't prepared and ready for it, so he won and then, of course, uh, later he went down to Mississippi State and, uh, one down there. And, of course, Texas Tech, he was there. And, and, uh, I think it was at Texas Tech. Where'd he go to from? I forget where he went to. I know he got in trouble one more somewhere. And, uh, but that, that's what I see. It's the same. It's nothing different than what Graham, Graham Harrell run, runs.
1: Um, all right. Well, let's. Uh, we got a lot of questions to get to, so why don't we we move over, uh, take a quick break, and come back, and uh, we'll answer some questions because there'll be a lot of topics for we can talk about, Coach. Uh, we'll be back in a minute, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy
0: Are you looking to advertise a campaign,
2: short film, a public service announcement, an important message? Look no further than Regency Outdoor.
0: We have been around since 1974 and have the greatest locations in Southern California for your advertising goals. Our creative billboards are sure to catch everyone's attention, make an impact anywhere and everywhere in Southern California. To get started and for more information, call 310-657-8883 or visit regencyoutdoor.com. Regency makes it easier than ever to get your message everywhere in Southern California
1: all right we're back here on the peristyle podcast talking with coach harvey hyde uh we got an email from jim that says uh everything that we've seen over the last three games leads to an important question is the coaching staff pressing too hard right now versus what is being given or taking what is being given on both sides of the ball that's from jim
0: Yeah, I I think they are. I think that when you line up in that type of uh, defense against you, you know, you don't say, well, we can throw the ball. This is our offense. We're going to do it no matter what. If you're going to do that, we're going to do this. And you're strong enough and believe in the running game enough and you're balanced enough. You've been working on it as much as you do the passing game. You're a complete football team. And and you say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to run the ball. We're going to have play action pass out of the ball. We're going to drive it right down your throat and force you out of that. And uh, I don't see that. Okay, I don't. I think that you're gonna. We're gonna do this no matter what. Well, you know, sometimes you can't do that no matter what, and you've got to be able to counter it. It's like playing chess or anything else. If you're going to do that, we're going to do this. And on the defensive side of the football, it's it's the same thing. Uh, you've got to take away what they do best when you game plan against them, and you've got to say, okay, we're going to stop what you do best. And uh, we're going to force you to beat us if you're going to beat us by doing something that you can't do or you don't emphasize. And you've got to be good enough on the defensive side of the football to take away the run and the pass and have the type of defensive alignments and belief that your defense can do that and have that type of personnel on the field. I think there's really too much substitution that's going on as far as the number of players they play. In rotations, players don't get a feel of the game. They're not in the game long enough. And when that happens, you really don't get a feel of the game or get a sweat going or or, or part of an entire drive. And, and last time he uh, stepped inside and then went outside of me and got to the perimeter, I was inside too far and I lost contain. Well, the next time that happens, you're not going to lose contain, because he did that to me the last time. And when you play a lot, you get that feeling of adjusting to who you're playing against. And I think that sometimes when you don't have that opportunity to get that feel, it hurts you as far as a defensive player and also a tackler and a linebacker as far as filling a hole and learning the moves of the running back and how to knock him down and the speed of you're able to compensate for the speed of someone you're playing against but you really don't know from the film how fast he really is. But as you're playing the game, you start to figure it out because you're now actually going against him. So, you know, that that's the things that that I see as far as watching that.
1: All right. Let's go to a voicemail coach. Here you go.
0: Hey, it's
2: Don from Chicago for uh Ryan Coach Hyde. Another sickening performance by UFC. And I gotta tell you, man, it's not just uh, Alex Grinch, man.
0: I'm starting to wonder about Lincoln Riley. I mean, the same thing every game. No changes. And I'm out here in Chicago. Man, I've been to the Notre Dame-USC games many times. But why would I waste my money to see another performance like this out in South Bend? I mean, why would I do that? I mean, it's just I, I don't understand it. This guy's thinking, Riley, $15 million a year, or something like that, just does the same thing over and over again. Coach Hyde, explain that to me. What's going through Linton Riley's and I don't get it. Don from Chicago. Well, what's going through his head is, uh, what do I do? And uh, I don't think he's ever been in this uh, type of situation Probably at Oklahoma he's had these type of situations, of course, uh, because I didn't follow him that closely there as far as knowing what the scores were, but I knew that he had a defensive problem there. But now he's in the big city where there's a lot of different reporting media, national attention and get national inten- attention, and he's got more people really watching football than no football and uh, they don't buy, everybody doesn't buy it, okay, buy it, and, you know, you want to hear somebody agree with what you're see- saying at times, as far as you're not really playing great football, and you want to hear somebody say that, rather than say uh, some of the things you're trying to get out of saying, uh, you know, now players are trying to defend each other, like, Caleb was doing with the defensive side which is really a nice thing to do as a team player and leader but you want to hear uh, uh, the head coach be strong and live up to what good and what's bad and uh, say it uh, where people say we wouldn't be talking today like this if someone set up and said hey I'm the head football coach here and I won't stand for this we're going to go and we're going to work we're going to practice this we're going to get better or else I want to make some changes, either on the field with the coaching staffs or whatever. This isn't acceptable. Now, if you hear that, then you're more confident as someone that sees what you're seeing. And I don't think you should give credit to a unit that's not playing very well, or a unit that's not coaching very well, or whatever. Not that you're going to fire anybody, but at least recognize that people understand the game of football and give us a straight answer, and I don't know, the, the press conferences after a game now, I don't attend them, okay? Because I would ask questions they wouldn't answer because they would cut me off or throw me out the door or whatever. And I wouldn't do that to a coach in the first place. That's why I don't go. But it seems as though he's so protected by the type of questions that he's asked that he doesn't want to answer. And when it gets to be a little heavy, uh, it's called off. That's it. That's the end of the press conference. Rather than allow people to ask questions, give honest answers, or start off with, hey, we we won today. We're very fortunate we won today. We didn't play like a Trojan football team. Very fortunate that we were able to get in the scores and win in the triple overtime. But that's something that's not a Trojan way of playing football. Yeah. And we're going to yeah. correct that. That's all you want to hear. And, Ryan, if you heard that from your opening statement, what do you say as a reporter?
1: That makes sense, right? I mean, you're, doing, yeah. yeah,
0: the guy went to the same game we did. Yeah. <laughs> and he, and and it's like, he's doesn't think people know. And I, and I'd like the guy because I met the guy once when I emceed the Larry's uh, beat bowl, when he came out here and sat with him and very nice person. But, uh, I wasn't talking football then. And now I'm. Uh, you asked me to be a guest on the Peristyle Here podcast. And uh, and as a coach, uh, if I was scouting them or as a newspaper reporter, and I'm still a coach analyzing this. That's why I, I don't want to say negative things. I want to say positive things. But yet again, I want to tell the truth. And this is basically just my opinion. I would be able to accept that. I would be able to accept it. I agree with you, coach. There's
1: some problems. You better get them worked out. That's all. Makes sense. Uh, Along those lines, Jack in New Jersey said, Coach Hyde, please explain to me how coaches that get paid millions of dollars a year are incapable of making smart decisions at crunch crunch time. Last night, I was at the Hard Rock Stadium in Florida to watch Miami-Georgia Tech. Instead of taking an E on third down at the Georgia Tech 25, with Georgia Tech had no timeouts and 40 seconds left in the game, They ran the ball, lost it the fumble, and then that collapsed where they gave up two passes and lost the game. He said, I got back to my hotel to watch the second half of USC-Arizona only to almost see SC lose. Why wouldn't Coach Riley use second down to get the ball positioned for an easy chip shot for Lynch, spike the ball, and try the field goal attempt on third down with 10 or 12 seconds left? It's not likely they'd have an issue with the snap. It's... Uh, it's not like they didn't have an issue with the snap last week, which they did. They could have had a second chance at the kick. This is not smart football. Jack from New Jersey. No, I
0: agree. And, uh, you, you know, when you get a win, you've got to have, you've got to be able to say, we're lucky to get out of here. And let's don't stop the clock. Let's don't throw the ball. Let's don't give them any time like the Georgia Tech uh, situation i mean you gave them enough time 26 seconds for them to throw a touchdown and beat you when all you need to do is really kneel down and the game's over that's not what i call smart i'd hate to be in miami today okay so if i was coaching there uh you gotta have confidence in your place kicker you gotta have confidence in your team and when you're in a position to win a game then just win the game. Let the clock run down. You're on the three yard line. It's it's shorter than an extra point. Yes, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe you want to quarterback a sneak in and try and and so on. Protect the football. But take the win. What take the easy one? What's the worst thing that can happen? Well, you. The worst thing is you missed the kick. And if you give them a chance to line up and think about it, you run the clock down you got to be able to have confidence in your kicker that you're going to win the game. So, you know, you run a play, you can fumble the football, especially when you're under center. They don't use, they're not used to doing that. They never practice it. They do practice it, but do they do it live? I don't know. So yeah, I'd just line up, take my three points, say, thank you very much. Let's get on the bus and go home. We're very fortunate.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was a good point though. You could have, you know, a lot of times they do that. You have an extra down. You you do it on third down. So if you have to, if it is a bad snap, you can call timeout and do it again. Oh, you're
0: right. Yeah. You're right. You're exactly right. You're exactly right.
1: Yeah. Uh, we got another voicemail. Here we go.
2: Hello, Don from Upland. USC has played six games now with no defense. I'm not sure that they will ever play the remaining schedule with any type of an effective defense. An effective defense is just not in their nature. That has to change if they want to be a championship team, which will not be this year. Their defense finally showed up at the end of the game to keep Arizona from scoring the two-point conversion to win the game. I give the USC defense credit for that. But you must play a score-stopping defense for four quarters, which is not in their nature to do. Therefore, I predict that they will lose at least three or four games down the road. If Caleb Williams continues to play at the level that he has been playing, he definitely deserves the Heisman Trophy again.
0: Well, I have to agree with you on everything you said. What's in front of of uh, USC is now that part of the season everybody's been waiting for. We all knew that or anticipated they would be 6-0 or hoped they would be 6-0. Maybe not in the style everyone expected, but now they get to the, uh, the part of the season that either makes or breaks the season, and uh, I agree that uh, we talked about Caleb earlier and what he is, and you look at the game, you go back at it, and you say, you know, without a couple of stupid penalties that Arizona made on first downs when they, when the guy would rough or hit Caleb, penalty, this and that, and a couple of great plays that Rice made as far as going up in the air and catching those long passes, uh, did a great job. Uh, man, I'll tell you, it could have been a long night. Really, really was. There was a lot of... Wow. I mean, uh, luckily on that call and lucky on this call and the penalties that they had against uh, or Arizona c- committed against SC, they gave them a-, a chance to continue with their drives. Otherwise, it could have been a I'm not uh, saying a route or anything, but it could have been a lot worse than what it was. It gave them an opportunity to stay in the game. And uh, so, yeah, there's not nothing, no other way to explain it, guys. I think we're all on the same page. It's just that I think that uh, everyone expected more, and and as a head football coach, you have to take responsibilities for all three areas of the game. And uh, it seems as though he doesn't address really with really what the problems are, except that the defense really played well, and that's why we won tonight.
1: We had a text message from Sir Eric of Troy, your buddy. I you got to see him uh, in uh, in in temp- I mean, well, in Scottsdale. He came to our little meetup event. But he said this question for Coach Hyde. He says, you and I go way back, all the way back to the late 70s and our days in Pasadena. You've always been a straight shooter, so I'm going to ask you this yes or no question. I'd like your answer with no punches pulled. If you were suddenly a head coach again, Based on his performance at Oklahoma and now USC, could Alex Grinch be your defensive coordinator? Just want to hear this from an experienced head coach who has always been willing to offer his opinion, like it or not. Respectfully, Sir Eric of Troy.
0: Wow, that's a tough one. That's a tough one because I don't want to uh, uh, badmouth any coach. That's not been my philosophy. I would say possibly this way that I wouldn't be getting the results that I expected. And uh, I would have to consider assisting him or going or finding another way of getting it done with possibly not relieving him And uh, because it isn't responding. Nothing's going right. Maybe I would go to the defensive side of the football, really. But I think he's an offensive coordinator. Riley is not a defensive coach. And uh, he wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But I was fortunate to be a defensive coordinator, an offensive coordinator, special teams coach, as far as when I came up before I became a head coach. So I felt very comfortable in coaching each side of the football. Now, I'm not sure Lincoln feels that strong or Coach Riley feels that strong that he could go over and coach the defense because he just loves the offense, He's the offensive guru. I mean, nothing against that, but he's had outstanding quarterbacks. And outstanding quarterbacks came to Oklahoma and came to USC with him because of that reputation, which has assisted him in what he does. But he's really, I think, overcommitted to the offensive side of the football. Whereas a head football coach, you've got to be overcommitted to all phases of the game. And I don't know, uh, that is why Grinch is getting all of the blame. But as we talked before, and he said it himself, he was going to be more of a part of the defensive side of the football. So I think that he should take part of the blame. I think that's the way I should say it.
1: Yeah. All right. Steven Poway wrote in an email. He said, would you agree or disagree that USC is led by an excellent coach and a generational quarterback who is leading a very good offense and a team that has poor to middling defense and special teams. The team will do well, but not great this year and finish a, out uh, about where they did last year with about three losses. Uh, and he said, PS, I love the heart of this team last night. And what Caleb Williams said in this postgame interview uh, about if you're knocked down seven times, you should get up eight. He loved that fight on a win from Steven Poway. Well, you
0: know, uh, I don't get the, what does he want me to
1: answer? So yeah. So like he felt like it's a really good offense, great quarterback, uh, you know, generation quarterback and a middling defense and special teams. And they'll probably lose three games like last year. Um, I, I'll go real quick. Like, I still feel like USC, like 11 and one or 10 and two are like, you know, more likely than like eight and four, uh, finishing the regular season off and we'll see where they go from there. But I, I, you know, I know people and I, and Eric of Troy said this too, that they're going to lose a bunch of games, or it was our caller that said that we're going to lose a bunch of games. I don't feel like that's the case. I just feel like, like Coach said, USC's probably, you know, playing down to their uh, opposition, you know, the the opponents a lot, but they're going to be, you know, it's kind of a coin flip game at Notre Dame. Um, You know, the two road games I think will be tough, but, you know, having Utah at home, having Washington at home, UCLA at home, there's all challenges, but, With, with Caleb Williams, like, don't forget that you still have that guy. He can make things happen. And you might not like that they play bad on special teams. They don't run the ball and they play bad defense and Caleb Williams wins you the game, but you can do that. And, and these other teams don't have Caleb Williams. So I don't think, oh, they're definitely going to lose three games. They could, they, they for sure could, but I feel, you know, pretty confident that they're still going to win more than they lose going forward, even though the schedule gets tougher.
0: Well, yeah, you hope that's the case. Uh, uh, you know, any team can beat anybody on any given day. Uh, I'd rather be lucky than good in some situations, and sometimes luck becomes a big part of it. You take the Utah situation with uh, Cam Rising, their quarterback. I, I don't think he's going to play this year. So, of course, that helps them there uh, playing Utah. Washington, I think, is going to be a real challenge because they'll be ready to play USC, and you know that too. And he's one hell of a coach. So that's a challenge. That's a toss-up game. I call that a toss-up. I say Oregon will be a toss-up up up there because uh, the crowd and the people up there are crazy. So that's a toss-up game, which means you could either win it or lose that game. Utah could be a toss-up game only because of the physicality of their team. So that's a toss-up game. UCLA, I consider that a toss-up game. Why? It's a rivalry game. And they're playing such great defense now at UCLA. And I think their quarterback, Moore, will be a better football player at that time. And uh, will they make mistakes to allow you to make the big plays? I don't know. With Dante Williams, he can make those big plays. So, yeah, I think you've got some toss-up games there where who knows uh, what the outcome will be. So if you get better as a football team, USC, I say you could win uh, most of those toss-up games. But if you don't improve, you can lose all of them. So I think the improvement is what we're looking for and what the coaches are looking for. Because if you don't, Washington will beat you. Oregon will beat you. Utah will hammer you and you'll never get the ball back. And they play great defense. And UCLA's playing great defense, so you might be kept off the field because their offense will run the ball. They found this new running back, Jones, who I think really added a lot to their offense, a lot of the receiver and these other people. So by the time they play uh, USC, they'll be improved. So if USC doesn't improve, yeah, they could lose three games. But if they improve and correct what they have, missing in what they're doing maybe not yeah. so i think it all comes down to what usc decides to do
1: i agree with you coach um you gotta you know get better from what you've been doing and we've seen it i mean if you're the first half of the colorado game they were really good you got to get back to stuff like that uh but they played pretty poorly uh over some long stretches over the last three weeks uh jay from the bay wrote in and says been listening for over 10 years love the show thank you jay uh Looks like the defense has no heart. Poor tackling, miscommunications, no aggression. What are your thoughts on bringing back Coach O on the defensive side? Bring back, quote, one heartbeat. Jay from the Bay.
0: Bring back who? Orgeron?
1: Oh, he wanted Orgeron, yeah. By the way, no. Ed Orgeron's never been a defensive coordinator, Jay. like
0: No, no, it's not. He wouldn't come back. No, and that's... They burnt, they burnt that bridge there. Yeah. He's not coming back. I mean... Uh, I don't even think he'd stand on the sideline uh, on the way he was treated there. I mean, and don't get me wrong, going back that far has nothing to do with this football team. None of the players played for him or anything. But the way that all happened and came down, I'm not quite sure you could pay him enough money to come back. Maybe. You know, he loves money. I mean, he does. He loves money. I'll tell you a story now. When they fired him, at LSU, you guys have probably all heard this story. So if you have, just tell me to knock it off. They call him in. The athletic director told him, "We're going to make a move here. We're going to change, and we're going to pay you all your money. I think it was seventeen point nine million or some damn thing like that." And uh, we just want you to know that. His response to that was, "What time do you want me out of here? And what door do you want me to walk out?" of? <laughs> Because, you know, he was getting his full thing. He knew that he hadn't got it done. He was a man to admit that. Like, I'm talking about people admitting it. He had problems. So if you're going to pay me everything, you're holding up to your end of the bargain. I'll hold up to my end of the bargain. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah.
1: I think people just get nostalgic. I mean, Coach O has never been a defensive coordinator. It just wouldn't make any sense. You can get, if... And I think Lincoln Riley, if the offense, I mean the defense, isn't very good still for the rest of the season, they lose some games that they probably shouldn't have lost. He will make a change. You will get what you want, and it'll be at the end of the season, and that that will happen. Uh, and then it's going to be up to you know it's going to be up to Lincoln Riley bringing back someone from the Pete Carroll era. I don't think it's going to be high on the agenda, and there's plenty of good options out there, and it'll just you know depend on Lincoln Riley filing someone that he's going to get along with and they're going to share philosophies and things like that. I, I don't know if the results will be different, better, good, worse, whatever, but it's not going to be someone like Edward Orgeron just because you know who he is. And uh, it's No,
0: no, no, yeah. no, no. And when you make a change, if you make a change on the defensive side of the football, you almost get rid of the entire staff. Okay. Because the new coordinator is going to want to come in and uh, say we don't do it like this or this or that. He might. They might keep one person. But there isn't just one phase of the game that's not playing well. Uh, It doesn't look like a lot of areas aren't playing well. So you want to bring a fresh feeling of security to the team and also in recruiting. That if you're going to attract great defensive players, you've got to have great defensive coaches that why they want to go and play there.
1: Yeah. We had a, a text message. He didn't leave his name, but he says he's a very frustrated fan in Texas. Um, got some texts over the years about uh, not really happy with the coaching. He says, we know the defense is horrible. How come nobody's mentioning that our offense has gotten outcoached again, both by Arizona and the second half against Colorado between Lincoln Riley and Cliff Kingsbury. We should be unstoppable. I don't think Coach Riley's the answer at all. Coaching, coaching, coaching. We're getting out coached week after week. All I heard at the start of the season was Lincoln Riley, the offensive guru. Well, he's getting out coached. Very frustrated fan of Texas. Holy cow! Like he had the number one offense in the country. He, you know, he, I, I don't get. I mean, if you want to complain about the head coaching stuff, but uh, the offense because they have a couple bad quarters, you're gonna like throw the baby out with the bathwater like that. I don't get that, Coach. I mean. If there's one thing, this offense has been really good over the 20 games he's been at USC, and they're 17 and three in those games.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, that hadn't been the problem. The only problem I've seen on the offensive side of the football is uh, you've got to be balanced. You've got to be good at all areas of the offense, and uh, that means have a complete uh, passing game that can attack uh, can attack anything, and the same thing with a running game that can attack anything. And uh, you need to do that, and uh, you know, like I said earlier, uh, I mean, uh, Queensbury has the same mind transplant as as far as uh, as Coach Riley, so they work together. In fact, I haven't seen him on the sideline the last couple of days. I'm not, games. I'm not sure if he's back upstairs or not. Can you tell,
1: Ryan? You know, I haven't seen him. I'm not really sure. For, like Kingsbury's been before, but yeah, I, I didn't notice the last couple of games if uh, Kingsbury's been the box or on the sideline
0: no i think he's up in the box because i hear him talking more to someone in the box than ever before
1: yeah all right we got a couple more we'll let you go marco marcus uh from moco says he sent a text message he said that game was atrocious we were well scouted and arizona knew our tendencies by the grace of god aka caleb williams we won barely how much longer can we tempt fate with grinch um, Marcus, you know, maybe the comment here, Coach, with you know Lincoln Riley said that the defense really helped them win this game, or what won them the game. And uh, you know, in the first half, they got a bunch of stops. When it was seventeen nothing, then they came up big with that interception. You know, the second half they were giving up drives. But um, th- yeah, do you agree with like Lincoln Riley talking about the defense, sort of like you know keeping them in this game or you know winning it for them?
0: I was sort of shocked. Uh, I think that what he's going off of, and way well I understood it in my mind, was because they stopped the two point play. Otherwise, the entire game, I couldn't say that.
1: Yeah, it, when it was seventeen nothing, though, they did come up with some stops. They did, you know, keep Arizona off the the board and let USC score a couple touchdowns. When the offense was like being crappy, but as soon as USC got back into the game, it seemed like the defense sort of like went back to. I don't know if they changed sort of like philosophies or whatever when they were down, um, but once it got close again, then the defense wasn't getting stops anymore. I think one punt from Arizona in the second half.
0: Yeah, well, during that time and when they came back, it was two great plays by Rice. Then there was a penalty that helped them. The linebacker can smacked the quarterback, if you remember, or smacked somebody and. And uh, you know they got assistance, but uh, I'm not quite sure if, if I can say or give that much credit to the defense as far as winning the game. Okay, gotcha. I think I think a team wins and loses a game. Okay, and uh, I think both of them had their problems in different quarters.
1: For sure. Uh, we got one more voicemail for you, Coach Hyde. At what point do you bench a player?
0: How many mistakes can 27 make? Are we waiting until we lose a game before we take him out?
1: So he's talking about Bryson Shaw, the, uh, the yeah. safety.
0: Well, you know, that's not my place to decide when people go on or off the field or play. All I know is they've started a lot of different players at different times. And I, I don't know if they really... Uh, if you remember early in our shows and when the season started, the secondary is an area that has to play together, know each other, uh, know who's doing what, communicate with each other, uh, line up correctly, know the right calls, know who has who, and if you don't run or all play together at the same time all the time, uh, you break down, you're not communicating, and I think that's one thing to have a problem with is communication and breaking down that they've been different starters every week or someone's hurt or whatever the excuse is. And uh, I just think you got to have guys to play together regularly, just like I talked about up front earlier with the guys or offensive linemen playing together and backs playing, the, getting the chance to run the ball all the time and defensive ends knowing that, hey, I lost contained the last play. The next time, he I won't fall for that roll inside, and then he goes outside. You know, all these type of things you got to play together as a unit. I don't know. There's so much substitution and so many different starters and so many different things happening that I I don't know if it's communication, lack of athletic ability, uh, lack of understanding what the responsibilities are, but it isn't getting done. I think that's the best way to say it is not getting done.
1: Yeah. We got one last one. Dan, class of 62, says, Yesterday, we learned that Clayton Kershaw should probably retire, and USC has a truly inept coaching staff. Whoa. Uh, They had a week to prepare a running game to combat the uh, seven-man defensive front or the seven-man dollar defense by watching the film of the Arizona-Washington game last week, and they didn't have a game plan. The Grinch defense still plays a soft zone and gives up six yards or more on running plays, we learned that uh, three first-year coaching staffs completely out-coached, out-schemed, and out-prepared Coach Riley and his staff. I I do not A uh, Jetfish is not a first-year coach, um, and Troy Taylor did not out-scheme or out-coach USC. I mean, they were down 49-3 in the first half, so maybe not three of them, but you could say two, I guess. Uh, John McKay and Pete Carroll prepared for teams— by using game film and then made mid-game adjustments as needed, this staff does neither. Making the same mistakes with the same plan week after week is insanity. Let's see if this staff uses the film of Notre Dame's loss to Louisville and inept offense against Duke to prepare for the trip to South Bend. I don't have confidence they will do either Do either of you. Fight on and prepare. He said fight on but prepare. Uh, Dan, class of 62.
0: Well, Dan, you're going back to where, uh, yeah, student body, right, 28 pitch, and all of this and that, and that's what you call toughness and believing in what you can do and get somebody to surrender. Yeah, but you just beat him to death, and you, and the defense finally waves the white flag and says, it's over. Uh, I think that you can have a combination of that. What I mean, yes, uh, the ball is being thrown around a lot today, but you also have to have a combination of running the football and throwing the ball, and when necessary, be able to run the ball down somebody's throat and get in the double tight with a power eye and do the different things and say, here we come at different times of the game when you need to do that. And you see Michigan do that. You see uh, Alabama do that. You see Ohio State do that. Yet they throw the football. But they also have what you call a power game when necessary, when they can get in an eye. They can run the football, pass the football, bootleg the football, put backs in the flat. They have a complete passing game off a series. And that portion of the offense at USC is not there that I can see. When Graham Harrell was there, his statement was, we never go under center. So that means we have to run five yards without a lead back or somebody before we get to the line of scrimmage to make a one-foot gain, and they crash the ends, and they knock us three yards in the backfield before we get started. Well, you can't have that. You've got to be able to line up and they know that they're going to see a team that can run the power game and do power things and play-action passes. It gives them more to prepare for at the same time. So that portion of the offense at USC is not there. Let's be realistic. If you've seen it, show it to me. I mean a complete series of, of what that type of offense is—the toss sweep, all those different type of things that the toss outside, the the belly, the reverse handoff to the fullback, uh, the all the second things, the things you can do, blast. You know, I don't know. You know, you put a a two hundred and fifty pound fullback in there and you run right behind him up the line of scrimmage. I mean, you don't see that portion of it. And your play-action pass when he's in there, throw it to your tail back in the flat, nobody's on it. But, you know, these are the things that I don't see in the offense at USC. So it's a combination of yes of what you're saying back there at 62.
1: All right. Well, Coach, great stuff. A lot of great questions and comments and upset fans and everything. So we appreciate hearing from all of them. And uh, appreciate hearing from you, Coach, and uh, giving your thoughts on everything that the what you had to say about the game, and all the fans had comments and questions too. So, thanks again for uh, coming on the show.
0: Okay, buddy. Thank you a lot, people. I remember it's just our point, uh, uh, you know, our opinion. And uh, I know if you're an SC listener, we hope that we're not upsetting you. But what we're giving you is our thoughts. That's it.
1: Yeah. All right, Coach. Thank you, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast,
0: presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest
1: news on Trojan football and recruiting.